You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. East. Click TuscaloosaThread.com throughout the day for more local news, sports, and weather coverage. It's absolutely free. Don Hartley, Tuscaloosa Media, Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports, and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this Thursday, February 8, 2024. I'm your host, Gary Harris, and I'm back in studio today. Um, was out, uh, did the show all three days, but have been out with uh, dealing with an illness and uh, didn't want to come in here in the studio while I was, you know, didn't want to spread it to anybody else, but uh, was able to do the show from home and want to thank Justin Jones for really stepping up because it's much more difficult on him when I'm not here for him to do everything and anticipate and and uh, just kind of increases his duties. But we, def- as I said, we definitely didn't want to, come into this studio and be on this microphone and, and, you know, while I'm ill, um, this flu has been going around. We know that. And, uh, but uh, one thing that we can do, and I'll remind you someone who is coming off of it is still, you know, carry your sanitizing wipes with you. Uh, you know, hand sanitizer, wash your hands. Um, and I know, you know, we're all, back to handshaking and and I get that and and I but you know handshaking is a quick way to spread um spread if spread anything to be honest with you so you know I don't think people might mind anymore if you just want to reach out and do a fist bump I think they understand uh when you're doing it why you're doing it so that might be something to consider as well because every time you shake someone's hands uh shake someone's hand everything that you know they've got you know they're going to give to you uh, if they don't have anything, then you're fine. But if they've got, you know, an illness, you're going to pass through it that way. So uh, a lot of things we can try to do to uh, stay well. At the end of the day, though, it is the flu season. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I caught it. Uh, I got through all, you know, January when it was really running rampant. But I didn't make it through February. <coughs> and uh, but on the downhill now and uh, back here in the studio this morning. Uh, welcome into the program. Uh, this is the Gary Harris Show on 1230 AM WTBC, Tide 100.9 FM, the Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com. With you in the next couple of hours, talking sports and more. I'll run down the lineup for you here, tell you what we got on tap. But first, as always, this hour of the program being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It really is just a better way of banking. I encourage you to visit alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com to find out more Alabama Credit Union with uh, nearly 40 locations, um, close to 40 locations uh, in the state of Alabama in the panhandle of Northwest Florida, including the home office right here in Tuscaloosa, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, the lineup for today, guest-free in the first hour. It just kind of worked out that way. So no guest here in hour number one. So we'll have plenty of time for phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. If you want to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. And then in hour number two at 1015, Kayla Anderson. 
uh, from Nashville will be on to talk at NFL with us. Titans new coach, why Mike Vrabel didn't get a job, Derrick Henry's future, Super Bowl preview, all of that uh, coming up with uh, Kayla Anderson at 1015. Of course, Kayla joins us throughout the season for the Titans report, but she's there at uh, Nashville as part of the uh, Ramon, Kayla, and Will show on 104.5 The Zone and is a Emmy-winning television sports anchor as well. Then at 10.30, Jeff Spiegel, sports anchor and host of The Zone, ABC 3340. As I said, no guest here in the first hour, so we're wide open for your phone calls on the first and main condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. All right, the big story this morning, of course, is uh, Alabama basketball. Last night down at Auburn, the Crimson Tide um, <clears throat> ran into a buzzsaw, and um, the Tigers, we said we talked about this yesterday, so this is not a surprise if you listen to the show Um This was a, a, you know, I guess there's never such, you know, anything like a must win unless it's to extend your season. I guess that's the only time it really is truly a must win. But this was about as close to a must win for Al- for Auburn as you were going to get. Um, they came in a game behind Alabama in the standings, 7-2, and two, Alabama 8-1. and one. But Alabama had already beaten Auburn at Coleman Coliseum. So a win last night for Alabama would have given them a two-game lead over Auburn and the tiebreaker. They would have the head-to-head having swept Auburn in the regular season. So in essence, Auburn would be like three games behind Alabama. And it would have been a tough spot (coughs) for the Tigers. Now, to their credit, that didn't happen. As we know, um, Auburn controlled the game. Really throughout, Alabama now, you know, in the latter part of the first half, made a really nice run. I think tied that thing up, didn't they, Justin, at maybe 36-36, somewhere in there, or might have even had a one-point lead at one point. Uh, I believe it was 39-39. Yeah, and and then Auburn, I know, finished the half on a uh, on a 15-2 run. And that pretty much... Um, Seal the deal. Now, you hoped Auburn might not play as well in the second half and Alabama have a run in them. And I guess Alabama, uh, I don't know. I, I think that they got it down maybe one time to 12, 10, 12, but never really got close. You know, 55, 41 at half. And then Auburn outscored Alabama in the second half as well, 44 to 40. They win the game 99 to 81. And uh, now we've got a log jam at the top. Alabama's 8-2 in the league. Auburn's 8-2 in the league. Tennessee's 8-2 in the league. South Carolina's 8-2 in the league. So it brings a lot of teams back into it. And for Alabama, the reality of it is that uh, that was going to be a tough game. Now, would Nate Oates like to have seen his team play better? Sure. And we're going to hear from the coach. We've got his uh, post-game comments from last night. I, I don't think that he's pleased that they got blown out. And there's a lot of things when you look at the game that jump out at you. The biggest thing is Auburn shot 50 free throws. <laughs> 50 free throws. They made 40. I mean, listen, there's there's games where, you know, you, you score 40 points from a free throw line, man. I mean, that's, that's, 
I mean, that's just, uh, that's hard to overcome, even if you play well. I mean, Auburn was only 5 of 19 from 3. But 50 free throws, and then uh, their ability to get the ball into the painted area and score with Williams and Broom. Williams, 26 points and 6 rebounds. Broom, 24 points and 7 rebounds. But those two combined for 50 points. If you'd have told Nate Oates that Williams and Broom were going to combine for 50, he would probably have told you that Alabama's not going to win that game. But that's who Auburn is. I mean, they're they're a big, they're another one of these teams that are big physical experienced. Again, I'm not making any excuses for Alabama. I'm just I'm just pointing out my surprise that Alabama is this good. I mean, again, you got to look at what happened to this Alabama team last year. I mean, they lost 10 guys. They lost their entire coaching staff other than Nate Oates. To be in this position 10 games into the conference schedule and be tied for the lead in the SEC. Instead of saying, wow, I'm, you know, what happened against Auburn? I'm like, how in the world are they in this position? You should not be able to roll the roster over and be this competitive. I said after last season, I, I thought this year was going to be one of these maybe 500-type seasons in the league. Hopefully you sneak into the tournament. You know, maybe win a game in the tournament. And instead, they're, you know, they've been vying for a, even with seven losses, they're still vying for a top four seed. And an SEC championship with a roster that isn't even close to the one that they put on the floor last year. You knew, like I said, you knew Brandon Miller was going to be gone. But there's no way going into that year last year that you would have thought that you were going to lose Betty Ako and Clowney. And then Burnett transfers out. And then Quinterly, who you think is on the roster transfers out late and Nate Oates is able to bring in Reitzel Estrada Nelson Wagi. think about where this team would be at had there not been a portal I mean you'd be playing a bunch of freshmen I guess junior college transfers he did an amazing job of supplementing this roster, really only bringing back Mark Sears and Griffin as players of consequence from last year. Those are really the only two guys that were mainstays on that team. Pringle played some, but he wasn't a guy they counted on. Sears and Griffin are really the only two guys returning from last year who were guys that they counted on last year. The rest of these guys are new players, man. They're new players. Auburn, meanwhile, you know, Broom came back for another year. They brought back Williams. They brought back Donaldson. They brought back Cardwell, who's a key guy for them, off the bench. I mean, that's an experienced team. KD Johnson came back, even though he's not starting. And Alabama's faced a lot of that. They have faced a lot of rosters with veteran players, players that have been in the system. And something else about last night, Justin, 
with all those new players, even though Alabama had won the last three against Auburn, you had a lot of guys that had never played in Neville Arena. Like I said, the only three returnees from last year, Sears, Griffin, and Stevenson, were the only guys that played down there last year. Nelson, Estrada, Reitzel, Stevenson, Diabate, Walters, Wagi. They never played at Auburn. So it was their first experience in this rivalry on the road, in the jungle, in a very hostile environment. So I say all that, just say this. Alabama got beat. They got whipped. Auburn outplayed them. Nate Oates said as much after the game. We'll hear his comments. There's no trying to dissect it and, you know, it didn't come down to a shot here or there. Uh, the fouling situation in the game was incredible. It wasn't, you know, because Auburn shot 50. Alabama shot 35 free throws themselves and made 28. That's 85 free throws. That's why you had a two-and-a-half-hour game. Even down the stretch, at that point, Justin, I was saying, just let the game end. And they were still calling fouls. <laughs> but it's one of those that you just, as coaches like to say, you just have to flush it, man. You just have to flush it. You got to get ready to go to LSU because the last thing you want to do now is um, lose on the road again to a team that you know you're better than. LSU's a capable team, but Alabama's a better team than LSU. Alabama needs to win, but that's a uh, that's another road game. It's an early tip in Baton Rouge, which probably, I think, works to Alabama's advantage. 11 a.m. tip on Saturday. But that's the game now. That's a crucial game because this game... While disappointing, I think for the most part, I think I, I think most people that follow Alabama basketball, if they were objective, knew this was going to be a tough game for Alabama. But this game against LSU now, you lose this one, and then you really lose ground. Right now, you're still tied for first in the conference. You split with Auburn. You've beaten South Carolina. You lost to Tennessee, but you get another crack at them. So you still control your own destiny right now. But you lose on Saturday, and then you are scrambling. All right, we got to get to the break. When we come back, we'll start it off with uh, Tom on the uh, First Domain Condos hotline. Like I said, guest-free here in the first hour, so plenty of time for phone calls, although we are going to get to Nate Oates and to Bruce Pearl. And we'll talk about Nick Saban coming, I don't guess you could say unretiring, because this is not really, the only way it would be, Coming out of retirement would be if he were coaching, which he's not going to do. But as expected, he is, uh, I say as expected, as a lot of people forecast, he is joining ESPN College Game Day. And we'll discuss that and what his uh, role is going to be. And he'll be, you know, visible across some other platforms as well. He's going to have a good life. You know, he's going to make a, keep making millions from ESPN, keep his office in Bryant-Denny Stadium, still be around the Alabama program. Still get to play a lot of golf. Lake House at Lake Burton in Georgia. Beach Home in Jupiter, Florida. I mean, it's uh, it's good to be Nick Saban. We'll discuss that and more. So stay with us right here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com. We're back after this. 
This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by CBNS Bank. Bank anywhere, at any time with CBNS Bank's digital solutions. Managing your finances has never been so easy. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Thursday's edition of Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR, we'll talk with Alabama gymnast Luisa Blanco. We just set out to build a foundation of trust. And when you go out there, and you might not even be the person competing, but when your heart is out there with that person who is, it changes everything. It gives you energy. It gives you something special that the other teams just don't have. And you don't want to be the team that's peaking right now or who's number one in the rankings or this, that, and the other. You want to be the team that when you look back on this, like those special moments are going to be what matters the most, not necessarily the accolades or the titles or the rings or the this, that, and the other. So I think this team has that. And we have the talent and we have the hunger and we have that competitive drive and, you know, that playful energy that you just can't recreate. So I think that's what makes us special. And I think that's what's going to carry us out through the entire year. I'll have more in a moment. CBNS Bank has a long history of stability and a legacy of serving our community's needs for generations. You could say we know a thing or two about tradition. We've been family, community, and financially strong since we began in 1906. Being a team player is part of our culture. That's why at CBNS Bank, we're proud to sponsor the University of Alabama Athletics and prouder to take the field or court with you. Visit cbsbank.com today. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Join us tonight for Crimson Tide Women's Basketball against Tennessee. Tip-off from Coleman Coliseum is set for 6 p.m. Central. Ask your doctor today about Sky Rizzy, the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis. And visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKY-RIZZY to learn more. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny today, the high 63. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 50. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy and mild. The chance of showers by afternoon, the high 69. Saturday, cloudy with occasional rain, maybe a thunderstorm, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. Nine twenty one. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Guest free in this first hour. Welcome to uh, give us a call on the first of Mankano's hotline two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. One final thought before we jump out on the uh, hotline and welcome in Tom. This Alabama team, as I've said all year, in my opinion, the issues that it has, it had in November, December, January, this month, and it's going to have in March. And I know a lot of people are talking about schematics and what you could do defensively differently. But I look at it more as personnel. I just think that the issues that Alabama has, and as I've said before, most teams have the same issues facing these type of teams. But when they face big physical basketball teams, they're at a disadvantage. That's just not who this team is. And even last night, they went ahead and started the four guards plus Grant Nelson at the five. That's a really small lineup. That's a really athletic but 
that's not a lot of beef. And Wagyi gives him a little bit of muscle, but he gets a foul, you know, when he checks in. And Pringle has been in and out of the doghouse. He didn't play well last night. So this team isn't going to be able to change its roster. This is the this is who this team is. So when they run into these type of teams, whether it's Purdue, Arizona, Auburn, Tennessee, it's going to be a challenge for them because they just don't have the personnel physically to match up with these big, strong teams. So they have to find other ways to get it done. All right, let's talk to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Gary. Uh, I hope you feel as good as you're sounding. You sound like you're 100% finally. Not quite, but uh, <coughs> as I say that, I cough. Not quite, but I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better. Thank you. You sound sound stronger. I'll say that. And uh, and I, I'm glad you're back. So that, that's a good thing. And uh, But, you know, it's interesting to me. I, I'm going to criticize uh, Chase Goodbread a little bit. I, and, you know, I enjoy him and Nick and their work. And I think they do an outstanding job. I want to say that first. But, you know, you put it out there and you write and you publish then you're open, I think, you're fair game to be criticized as long as it's done, you know, in, in a good manner. And, and and I would suggest let's quit talking about uh, – and this is to your point, by the way. Let's quit talking about – let's quit writing about what we don't have, and that is a big man in the middle. We all know it. We all know what our deficiency is, and we've all stated it. And it's time to quit talking about it. And and then, uh, after listening to your uh, uh, the the play of the press conference yesterday, that's changed my whole attitude about uh, and mindset about this team, and uh, and the challenges that they have encountered and worked on as a coaching staff, as players, and so forth, was very interesting to me. And and, and what you said. I want to I want to take that on in this regard. What they were in uh, October is what they are now. It's what they're going to be. That is the truest statement that can be made about this team. And uh, and, and and you know, let me ask you that. Here's the question part of this: We had just got. Don't you think the coaching staff is working to say, okay, this is what we hadn't got. Let's figure out how we can win the game with what we do have, no matter who they play, whether it be Auburn, Tennessee. It's not like they're not trying to win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. That's exactly what they're trying to do. I mean, that's why he's that's why he's gone four guards. I mean, he thought that that gave him a better opportunity. I mean, he's, he's tweaked the lineup throughout the year. Um, you know, they play the way they play offensively. And I know uh, uh, Joe called in earlier with Wimp and Barry talking about why they don't play zone on defense. Well, they're just not a zone team. That's not who they are. And, and, uh, but I like what Barry said to Joe. But I, when, hey, I didn't think they could play a little zone. wouldn't hurt nothing. Well, they could, but that's not what they do. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, okay. I, I, okay. no, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you or Joe. I'm just saying he could do whatever yeah. he wants to do. But obviously he doesn't, oh, wow. if, he, if he thought, if, I, I'm just going to tell you just what you said a while ago about coaches. Can coaches be a little stubborn and hard-headed? Maybe so. But coaches evaluate, and it's nothing that we think about that they don't think about. And if he thought playing zone would give them a better chance to win these games, I'm sure he would do it. 
That's all I can tell you. I don't, I don't think he would say, all right, coaching staff, if we played zone, we would defend better, but we're not going to play zone. I, I just don't think that's the way they look at it. I, I mean, um, some teams are just not zone teams. And so you you play the principles that you play on defense. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of criticism about how easy it is to get the ball into the low post uh, if you're the opposition. And that's something maybe that they are going to have to try to do a better job of. Maybe he's going to have to go back and play another big body to start the game. A lot of that has to do, again, it, to me it's more personnel than schematics. Again, I just don't know. When you play these teams that have these two big veteran post guys, Alabama just doesn't really have an answer. And now Wagi is a he brings some stuff to the table. He's got a nice body. He's fit, but, I mean, my gosh, you just can't foul at the rate he fouls and, and be counted on by your team. I mean, he's, he, he fouls, like I said, he fouls when he's checking in, man. And, you know, I don't know. I know they're working with him on that. Um, you know, maybe some of it is Alabama gets whistles called quicker. Maybe it's reputation. I don't know. But uh, you got to be able to defend some without fouling. And that's that's another issue that they have. So, But, I mean, again, I don't know. Maybe they should play zone. All I'm saying is I'm sure Nate Oates has looked at every possibility of what they need to do to play better defensively. And one good thing about this team is usually when they lose a game, they come back the next game and they bounce back quickly. So um, I look for them to play much better on Saturday. We lose time. The zone. Well, we uh, hey, you dropped out. I lost you. What'd you say? Well, the, the, what I wanted to say about the zone is this, and I think I think this is what Joe is saying. It's what I think is do it. Just change something up. You know what I mean? Every nine, and you ain't got to play zone for for both halves, but at least frankly, then make the other team think a little bit. That's I think that's what Joe said. That's what I think. Now I could be wrong. I'm, my next job as a coach will be my first. One. And uh, but also I wanted to say this to your point <clears throat> about the next game. I think how we do, how we adjust, how we come out mentally and approach the LSU game and how we play in that game to get back on track is going to tell us a lot about how far we can go as a team this year, right or wrong. All right, I'll make sure I got what you said. Say it again, and I'm going to make sure I'm clear on what you said. I said that losing that game last night mm-hmm. and how we prepare for Saturday's game and then how we perform on Saturday's game, players and coaches will tell us a lot about how where we will end up with this uh, team going forward. Yeah, I agree you with agree? that because I think Saturday's a crucial game. I, think it, I do too. You know, but, I do too. But it would be a crucial game even if Alabama had won last night. This is the kind of game, it's hard to win on the road in this league, and LSU's a much improved team, but Alabama is good enough to beat LSU and Baton Rouge, and they need to win that game. And if you lose that game, then, boy, I, all of a sudden, you're, like I said, you're scrambling a little bit. You know, right now, right. listen, that's a disappointing loss last night, but you bounce back and you win. You win Saturday, you know you're, at worst, still tied for first place in the SEC. At worst. There, there's nothing, nothing that anybody can do about that. If you lose, then odds are you're probably not going to be in first place. All three of those other teams are probably not going to lose. So you uh, you take it out of your own hands. So, yeah, Saturday's a crucial game. I think they'll 
I think they'll play well. I think they'll prepare well here the next couple of days. I think they'll go down to Baton Rouge uh, tomorrow afternoon and and be ready to go on Saturday morning. It's an early tip. Um, you know, 11 a.m. tip is, you know, you got to get up and eat breakfast early and you're on the road already. So that's a little bit of an adjustment. But um, I think they'll be good to go and I think they'll play well in the game. Now, I didn't guarantee that they're going to win because LSU is a much improved team. <laughs> but Alabama laid it on them here pretty good and I think they're good enough to win on Saturday. Good job. See you. Thank you, Tom. 931 here on the Gary Harris Show. We talked about Nate Oates. Uh, when we come back on the other side, we will um, we'll hear from the Alabama head coach following last night's loss against Auburn. Also, before the program is over, we'll start talking some about um, softball, which plays this afternoon, believe it or not. February 8th. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I am trying to make it make sense a little bit. We're playing a spring sport beginning on February 8th. That's 800-294-8831. What do you have to lose? Call 800-294-8831. Again, 800-294-8831. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and 3 special. Deal or text DEAL to 511-511. Text DEAL to 511-511. All pets are unique. Your pets' results can and will vary. Message and data rates may apply. Studies of Available upon request. Never miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today. Nine thirty-four. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide one hundred point nine FM and twelve thirty AM WTBC. Gary Harris, Justin Jones. We've been talking Bama basketball, uh, Bama and Auburn. We're still going to get to the Nick Saban discussion. We're going to get to Alabama softball. But right now, the head coach of the Crimson Tide. Always uh, matter of fact. He doesn't. Uh, one good thing I like about Nate Oates. He doesn't beat around the bush. He tells you what's on his mind and. And uh, he didn't sugarcoat it last night in regards to what happened to his team down at Auburn. Here's the head coach of the Crimson Tide following that uh, loss to the Tigers at Neville Arena. Great game, great environment. It wasn't a great game, but the environment was great. Auburn was ready to go. We weren't, you know, it's for first place. They came out and played like it was for first place. We played like still being first place if we won, which is a little disappointing because we could have separated ourselves a little bit. And we didn't. So... Now I'm guessing I haven't looked at the scores. I'm guessing we're in a four-way tie in the loss column in first place. So, you know, we've got some work to do in these last eight games. You know, they, they were better than us. They, they played harder. You know, they out-rebounded us. They were up on the glass most of the night. They took advantage of our smaller lineup inside. They turned us over. We didn't turn them over. A lot of the effort stats that you look at, rebounds, turnovers, they, they were better than us. So... I, uh, we got, we got to go back. We got to play our, you know, they, they, they were definitely a better team, more prepared. They, they were ready to go tonight. Brian Hensley. Coach, when we were at Coleman, you kind of said if your team came out like this on the road, they wouldn't win. Was it a different scenario that you envisioned with the team, how they played at Coleman, or is this kind of a different scenario? Uh, I mean, we, we didn't play very well at the beginning of that game. We were better on offense this game, but our defense, like, 
you know, it's like we're content with just trading baskets. We, we, we had no problem scoring at the beginning of the game, but, you know, I think about after the first two media timeouts, I think it was on pace to be about 110 or 120 to 90 or 100 or whatever, you know, like we're going to have a shootout. Like, so it's great that our offense can be clicking, and then, and then, then it wasn't. So then when, you know, your defense isn't there and your offense goes away, then they open up a big lead, which is what happened. And then, you know, I give them a lot of credit. They were down 14 at the half at our place. They came out in the second half, played really hard, and got back in the thing. We were down 14. We didn't come out and do much damage. I think maybe we cut it to 11 at one point, I think. If I, I don't know how close it got, but it didn't get that close. They, they did a great job of keeping their foot on the gas and, and making sure we didn't get back in the game. Nick Alvarez. Side, I mean, they had uh, pretty big points there at the end of the first half. Um, is that an effort issue for you guys, or is there kind of something thematically they get to get I mean, look, we, we, you know, we didn't want to double because I, I saw other teams that doubled and gave up a bunch of threes to them. And hindsight, as bad as we lost, maybe we should have doubled more and, you know, and then tried to rotate around and try to take the three away. You know, they only hit five threes a night. Problem is, they went to the free throw line 50 times and shot 40 out of 50 free throws and their, you know, their bigs, nine for 10, nine for 11 between their starting four and five and Williams and Broom. And they're both good. They're, they're two of the better. I mean, they may have the best front court. You look at a four and a five in the league, and we, we didn't do a very good job of it, you know. And part of it's we started small, and they punished us, and we we, we got to have a better answer for it if we're going to continue to start small like that. In the middle. Yeah, Coach, we're saying you guys have a season high, 32 fouls tonight, uh, and it's going to be a foul all season. So what can you guys do uh, going forward to bring that amount of foul? We gotta be more disciplined. Some of them are just bad fouls. We gotta stay in front of the ball better. You know, guys get beat and they're fouling. If they get beat, we gotta do. Looks like our internet may have just went out on us, Gary. Okay, well that's fine. Uh, how do you do for the morning? Um, just listen to Nate Oates and. And Nate Oates is, is gone. Okay. Well, we'll get back to uh, <coughs> Coach Oates when we get it back up and, and, and running. So, But I said I was going to talk about Nick Saban, so we'll break away from basketball in a minute and and talk about the, the big news regarding the former coach of the Crimson Tide. Good job in the post. Well, there. Uh, All right, Nate Oates is back. Just keep it up. It's we'll important stuff. Like, we tell you what the guy's going to do, and I do exactly what we tell you they're going to do, and we don't do a very good job guarding it. So, I mean, there's multiple reasons we – you know, some of it's effort. I mean, team that plays hard sometimes fouls less because they, they're in position and they're, they're where they're supposed to be. And when you're stuck late and you're not where you're supposed to be, you end up fouling. Like, yeah, Coach, you talked about the, the size mismatch and how they kind of took advantage uh, of that. Was that something you anticipated them being able to do? And did you ever think about going with uh, bigger lineups to combat that with the stop process there? Yeah, I mean, we did go with bigger lineups. We we played Jaron at the four with Grant at the five. We played Grant at the four with Pringle at the five. We played Mo Diabate, Jaron, and a five together at times. I mean, we we were probably better on Williams when we did that, but even some of our big guys got posted and scored on. So, you know, I, I like maybe going small got him going, and then he just had his confidence going. You know, I 
you know, for Williams to score 26 and only hit one three, you know, he did a lot of damage at the free throw line and in the paint. So, yeah, I, I, I we didn't really debate starting bigger, but we definitely went bigger at times in the game and it didn't do much. Nick Kelly. Yeah, Nate, as far as I mean, talk about how good those guys are in the front court. I mean, is that something where it's just a matter of learning from it, or is there legitimate concern about how you guys can handle guys inside uh, long term? I mean, we, we've had issues with front court guys all year, to be honest with you. I mean, we, you know, we had that stretch of three games with Edie and Balo and Cole Printer, and we didn't do a very good job on for sure Edie and Balo. You know, we fouled too much. We're, we're not in position. We let it get in too easy. We get ducked in too easy. Thought Grant did a, a really good job on Colu Smith. That's probably the one game that I, I can remember off the top of my head that we played a legitimate post-up big that if we've done a decent job on. Other than that, we haven't, you know, we, we tried to double at times and different doubles. We give up threes, but it's it's an issue. We, we got to be better inside. Ariel. Yeah, I mean, he shot it well both games against them. So, you know, he had the one drive tonight that he scored off of. We, he got to be able to get downhill when they press up into him a little bit more. You know, and again, like he's small at the four. We tried to go with the four guards. Need him to do a little bit better job defensively. You know, like as as well as he shot it from three, you know, his plus minus wasn't very high tonight. Like he, you know, he was the worst on our team, even though he's typically booting one of our better defenders, but we we've been putting him on guard. So we're gonna have to figure out whether, you know, teams have post up bigs like Williams, can can he is it smart for us to leave starting lineup the way it is and leave him on him? I it didn't it didn't work tonight, but Offensively, he's he's getting better and better. He's shooting it well. He's been better in pick and rolls. He can get downhill, but probably need to get him downhill a little bit more when he's getting pressed up into like like they were. Two more. All right, I wanted to come back uh, from Nate Oates there because we've got Joe uh, over in Vestavia on the First of Mankato's hotline. Good morning, Joe. Hi, Gary. I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. Thank you. Yeah, it's tough. Hi. Didn't mean to cut that off. No, was, that's fine. Just, that's fine. Hey, I was glad to hear his post game. Uh, I know the Alabama radio network on the post game was a little bit well, incredulous at the number of free throws Auburn shot, and it was a record. But I thought Alabama fouled pretty much all the time there, and I thought they earned those free throws. Um. You know, it's like you said, it's a personnel. I think it's really a personnel deal, and I'm, I, it's not going to change, not this year. But yeah. I think the team has, I think the team has overachieved, really. I, I think they're, they're doing well considering they are limited on the interior. And again, I mean, in defense of Coach Oates, there's just no way to have gone into the offseason last year based on everything that you had at your, disposal in terms of knowledge that you didn't feel like Charles Bediaco was coming back. I know they felt like Charles Bediaco was coming back. And if Charles Bediaco is on this team, <clears throat> given what they have to go around him, then this is a completely different team. They're you know, already good, but they might go from good to being, you know, exceptional because all of a sudden then you've got a seven foot 
rim protector who's a really good defender, great outlet passer, decent scorer. I mean, you just don't, you know, those don't grow on trees. And you're already losing Miller and Clowney. And then all of a sudden, Bediaco's gone too. Man, I, you know, again, I, I don't, uh, you know, you can't live in the world of what ifs, but, you know, what if Bediaco had come back? This is a, this is a different basketball team, but he didn't. And they're, I'm with you. I, I think their personnel is just, uh, defensively, they foul a lot. Uh, they're not a great interior defensive team. They're not incredibly physical on the interior. Um, and, you know, they're asking Grant Nelson to play the five, which is probably not ideal for him. I, I think he sees himself as a athletic four or maybe even a big three. And so, you know, they're doing the best that they can. And you look up and they're, you know, listen, they're tied for the lead in the SEC standings at eight and two. I mean, that's pretty good. They played as tough a non-conference schedule probably as there is in the country. And this is a really good basketball team considering what they lost from last year. There, there's not a team in the country, I think, that lost more than Alabama did. And a lot of those teams that lost that many guys, they're not in contention to win their conference championship, I can tell you that. Perfectly said. Hey, the reason I wanted to – the reason, the real reason I wanted to call is I know you said you're going to have Kayla Anderson on next, next out. I am. And I enjoy hearing the Titans updates and the Falcons updates. Even though I'm not a big fan of either team, I sure hope Derrick Henry ends up somewhere else other than back with the Titans. They're just, they're not going to win it. The franchise has always sort of been on the verge of disarray. And when they do make the playoffs, most of the time you feel like they're just a team that's just filling a spot in the playoffs. I'd like to see the guy have a chance at maybe really legitimately having a chance to play in a Super Bowl. Well, I'm going to ask her what the latest is there in Nashville on his future and what the what the buzz is about. My guess is, Joe, that you're going to get your wish. I, I feel like that he's going to sign elsewhere, but I'll uh, but I'll certainly ask her. That's one of the topics I've got on tap for her next hour. Well, you could look at the NFL, and I guess you could look at any of the major four. And you can see the franchises that usually are just towards the bottom. You could change the players. You could change the coaching staff. You could fire the head coach and fire the GM, but you can't fire the owner. And that's usually where the problem with a lot of them are. I'd say another one is the Cardinals, too, in in football. Just not going to be there most years. I understand. You're right. Hey. That's just the way it works. Gary, thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Joe. Good call there. 947, perfect timing to get to the break. We've got one more segment to go. Uh, When we come back uh, on the other side, I'll get back to Nick Saban and what he's going to bring to the table for ESPN and what exactly his responsibilities are going to be. And um, we can take more phone calls as well, 205-342-9904. Back after this. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Friday. We have Coach Sonny Smith on at 8.15. We'll review the Iron Bowl of basketball that Auburn uh, won big. We also look forward to the LSU game over in Baton Rouge at 11 a.m. We'll see what Alabama needs to do to get back on the winning ways. 
Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans. Babel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny today, the high 63. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 50. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy and mild. A chance of showers by afternoon, the high 69. Saturday, cloudy with occasional rain. Maybe a thunderstorm, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49. Degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. On your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Nine fifty one. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Nick Saban. This didn't take long, did it? Retired just last month after seventeen years as head coach at Alabama, and already being announced by ESPN that he will serve as an analyst at the desk on ESPN's College Game Day, and also will provide analysis to a variety of events, including the NFL Draft and SEC Media Days. Saban said in a statement, quote, ESPN and College Game Day have played such an important role in the growth of college football, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to join their team. I'll do my best to offer additional insights and perspectives to contribute to College Game Day, the ultimate Saturday tradition for college football fans. Saban has appeared multiple times as a guest on College Game Day in the past. And ESPN said in a statement, Nick Saban is a singular, iconic presence in college football. He's also an extremely gifted communicator who will immediately add even more credibility, authority, and entertainment value to ESPN, including our esteemed College Game Day show. So let's keep up with... Nick Saban, because even when Nick Saban is retired, he's not retired. Because some people retire and they don't work. That's why they retire. Nick Saban retires and goes right back to work. Now, granted, this isn't going to be nearly as demanding as coaching college football. I'm not trying to say that it is. But it's not full-fledged retirement either. Because during the football season, he's going to be traveling every week, preparing for college game day. You don't just, you know, they don't do that show. They just don't show up on Friday and turn around on Saturday morning and do that show. That's not the way it works. They're in meetings and production meetings and rehearsals 
all week long, basically. So during the football season, he's going to be working several days a week. But that's who Nick Saban is. Even in retirement, he's not going to be one just to sit around and do nothing. All right, let's jump out on the uh, First of Mankato's hotline, and BT is with us. Good morning, BT. Good morning, Gary Harris. How are you? Doing well, my friend. What's going on? Not much, buddy. How about you? Oh, just doing a little radio show. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm looking forward to Saturday, Gary. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. You talking about the um, Alabama basketball game? Um, the ATA, I'm looking forward to being there to support the team. Okay, you're talking about the ACA game. Okay, we well, have to tell me what you're talking about. So you're gonna you're gonna be there uh, and watch them, huh? Basketball team. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, starting their playoff run. Uh, so yeah, that's that's uh that's important. That's good. Oh yeah, we we just got to continue to do what we need to do to be get get to the playoffs. Yep, that's right. Got to keep winning. American Christian won their area championship, and a lot of the uh, high school basketball teams are getting into um, you know their sub-regionals. So playoff time is here for high school basketball, BT, and I know you're a big fan, and I know you'll be supporting ACA. So thanks for letting us know, my friend. Okay, who's Alabama men play? They're at LSU on Saturday. What station? Uh, I have to look it up, Justin. You got that real quick. Who's care? Who? Of course, we're carrying the the radio here on on time. Okay, I'll call you back later on. Well, Justin can get it real quick. What's um What's the TV okay. for Saturday? I think it may be ESPN two or. Okay. Right. Um, Hang on, we're gonna we get it. We play on here. We play on here, right? No, it's in Baton Rouge. It'll be on ESPN. ESPN BT at eleven a.m. ESPN on Saturday at eleven a.m. Okay. Okay. All right. Good to hear from you, buddy. And that's going to wrap it up for this first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not for profit. It's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. We'll be back with a second hour. Kayla Anderson at 1015. Jeff Spiegel at 1030. We'll talk Bama softball. Take more phone calls. Keep it dialed in. The Thursday edition of the Gary Harris Show will continue. Available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Visit PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representations made that the legal services provided by Patterson Comer is greater than any other legal services performed by any other lawyer. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hours. Every time. Plus, at these prices, well, we're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for official virus vaccine. For full prescribing information, please call 1-844-989-7284 or visit abrisbo.com. Brought to you by Pfizer. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 
from the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Kevin Wyatt. We have some breaking news in the NBA. An early morning Woj bomb as the Utah Jazz finalizing a trade that would send Kelly Olynyk and Ochai Agbaji to the Toronto Raptors for Kira Lewis, Otto Porter, and a 2024 first round pick. This coming from Adrian Wojnarowski a few minutes ago. As for the action on the court last night, Celtics beat the Hawks 125-117. They're now a league best 39-12, and 24-3 at home as Kristaps Porzingis led the way with 31 points. Pelicans knock off the Clippers in Los Angeles 117-106, shutting down Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who had a combined 22 points in the loss as LA now half game back in Minnesota, Denver, and Oklahoma City for that top spot in the Western Conference. Cavaliers have now won 15 of the last 16 games and 7 in a row with a 114-106 victory against the Wizards. Now, this hour is West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. The Alabama House Naming Study Committee is putting forth a proposal that will allow voters to cast ballots on creating a statewide lottery and seven casinos, one in Greene County here in West Alabama. Plans for a new fire department in Duncanville getting a boost from the American Rescue Act and the Tuscaloosa County Commission. It will cost more than three quarters of a million dollars to move the station to Hardware Road East. And the Chamber of Commerce of West Alabama's annual trip to Montgomery to meet with state leadership is underway at the Capitol. Get 24 24- and local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play by play for Alabama Sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to the Gary Harris Show, hour number two for this Thursday, February 8, 2024. Gary Harris, Justin Jones with you here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you as always by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients' integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff, clients, and prospective clients are treated with respect and care. At Patterson Comer, we invite you to contact us with any questions concerning legal issues that are a result of personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, or 18-wheeler accidents. Our business is to take care of your needs. Paul is in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike Comer's in Northport at 205-759-3939. And the commitment to serve our clients does not end at the workday. End of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Patterson Comer, attorneys at law, pattersoncomerlawfirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, we got some Bama softball this afternoon. Over in the ATL, 5 o'clock Central. Actually, I guess you could say this evening. Going to probably be pretty chilly. In Atlanta at the Buzz Classic, you can hear the game on our Town Square sister station, 97.5 FM. So keep that in mind. But Alabama plays tonight at 5 against Villanova. And then tomorrow morning, they play at 10 a.m. against Longwood. And then tomorrow afternoon, they play at 3 p.m. against Georgia Tech. Then on Saturday, they play 12.30 against Longwood and 3 p.m. against Georgia Tech. Now, I know that there is a possibility for rain in Tuscaloosa over the weekend. I imagine Atlanta might have that same possibility. 
But that is a big part of playing February softball. Weather is always potentially an issue. They know it when they schedule these games. So Bama hopes to play five games in three days. You know, and what they will do, they'll softball will, they're pretty flexible. You know, if they have to move a game up to Friday, they'll do it. You know, in other words, if, if, um, you know, Alabama plays twice on Friday at 10 and three, and they don't think they're going to get two games in on Saturday, they might play again on Friday night and then try to play a game on Saturday morning. Of course, you got other teams involved too. So, but that's the goal. <clears throat> and it'll be our first opportunity to see Alabama softball in the post Montana Fouts era, which we've just become so accustomed over the last several years to knowing that. Alabama softball was led by probably the biggest star in the game, Montana Fouts in the circle, and that she was going to be the, the lead pitcher in every big game that you that you had. That is not the case now. This is a new-look Alabama team with some new players, new coaches, and I think a team that is going to try to play a little bit differently. I think they're going to try to be a little more of a power team offensively. And that doesn't mean hitting home runs every time up, but, you know, trying to hit gappers, trying to trying to drive the ball more. It'll be interesting because um, anytime you open the season, it's a... Uh, it's an exciting time because you don't know exactly what to expect. But Alabama scheduled to play Villanova this evening, Longwood and Georgia Tech tomorrow, and Longwood and Georgia Tech again on Saturday. That's the schedule at the Buzz Classic over in Atlanta. So Bama softball is back, and Bama baseball is right around the corner as well. Again, we call these spring sports, but no, that's really not true. <laughs> There's probably there's probably more games played or as many games played in in the winter months of the calendar as there are the spring. All right, they're about the same because uh, spring doesn't come in until March 21st, and uh, there're gonna be a lot of games played by both softball and baseball prior to to March 21st. But baseball opens up a week from tomorrow. At home against Manhattan College in a three-game set, Bama Baseball will play Manhattan Friday at 4, next Saturday at 2, and then next Sunday at 1. So we are now at that point in time where it really is spillover season. We talk a little bit about <coughs> basketball split over into football, but really when you see the spillover is with Basketball in the middle of its run, baseball starting up, softball starting up, gymnastics is still going. So it's a busy, busy time. I guess this morning it's been busy enough that we haven't even mentioned the Super Bowl yet. And that's something that we'll talk about in the next segment with Kayla Anderson. So we'll have, um, you know, discussion about that since she covers the NFL also, I'm interested in what she thinks of Brian Callahan, obviously the Titans' new coach, why Mike Vrabel didn't get hired, and what's uh, Derrick Henry's future going to be in Music City. We'll get into all that with uh, Kayla Anderson in the next segment. But as far as the Super Bowl is concerned, Las Vegas 
has gone from a city, Justin, that didn't have pro sports at all just a few years ago to now you've got the Knights, the Golden Knights, NHL champions. You've got the Raiders, the Raiders. You've got the Oakland Athletics scheduled to come. Although the mayor the other day said maybe they ought to stay in Oakland. I Somebody needs to check her her mayor credentials because that's not a very very smart her mayor credentials. Yeah, I mean, my gosh, you don't turn down a, you don't turn down a major league baseball team, but the A's are scheduled to move there, and I think it's only a matter of time before you get an NBA team. So the well, one thing about Las Vegas, you already for some, have the the WNBA team, and they're the reigning champs. That's true. Yeah, what are they? The Aces, Aces, or something, Spades, something like that. Yeah. The, for so long, the whole thought process was well. Las Vegas is the Vegas, the gambling capital, so we can't have pro sports there. But now all that facade is gone. I mean, all the pro sports have teamed up with gaming cap companies anyway, so why not go ahead and, and um, you know, just put teams out there. So for so long, Las Vegas was strictly one thing. It was, it was gambling and entertainment. That was it. And all the sports was done through the gambling. You had now you had UNLV, but you didn't have professional sports. Now you've got all of that, and you've got the NFL, the NHL, the WNBA, soon to be MLB, and probably at some point NBA. So this is not just a entertainment and gambling place anymore. It is a serious pro sports city, which leads to, and I haven't been to Vegas in since 2016. And I was supposed to go out there for Deontay Wilder fight a few years ago, but wasn't able to go. Um, but I haven't been out there in eight years, well, eight years this summer. And I'm not a big gambler anyways, we've talked about. So, you know, it's not like I go out there and I'm just dying to go to. But I do wonder about the infrastructure in terms of just people that live there. What's that's been like for them? Um, I know I heard Dana White from UFC talking about they've got to do something with the airport, that the airport's not equipped to handle now all of this. I mean, even for a place like Las Vegas, having professional sports come in, that's a game changer in terms of your city, in terms of how you operate. Maybe that's why the mayor said the A's need to stay in Oakland. Something, too, I we didn't mention they have F1 there now the big race where they shut down all of the roads and on the strip. So that's another thing to where people that you can't drive when the F1 is there because they block 90% of everything off. Yeah. I mean, it's always kind of been a mirage in terms of it's, but you know, but people live there, people work there, people raise families there. And, um, and now you got the Super Bowl there on, on Sunday. I mean, it's going to be going to be crazy. The thing I've always thought about when I've, been out there the couple times I've been out there. I've been out there a ton. Been there twice. A couple times I've been there, I always thought, yeah, this is fun to visit and fun to kind of, I would not want to live here. And, you know, try to live and have a normal a normal life. Um, but the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, already a spectacle at Incredible Stadium, I mean, are you hyped about the game? I've already said, listen, these two teams, while they're good teams, the way I watch pro football now is more about who's playing in the games, meaning Alabama guys. We don't have a, we won't really have that on Sunday. Are you are you excited about the game? Not really. I'm 
I think it's because of the two teams. I, they don't interest me very much. Me either. Kansas City, we've seen it before. Yeah. San Francisco, we saw it two years ago. Yeah. And they were dominating all year, so yeah. kind of expected. Not, not really. I mean, it's the Super Bowl, and I'll watch because it's the Super Bowl, but it's not like I'm sitting here, you know, banging the drum. I can't wait for the Super Bowl. It'll get here when it gets here. All right, 10-12, we want to get to the break because we want to come back and have plenty of time for Kayla Anderson. Because- show with Hunter Johnson. It's the Tide Basketball Postgame Show, brought to you by Pritchett Moore Insurance, Tuscaloosa's best choice for business and personal insurance for 90 years. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and Memorial Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after virus vaccine. For full prescribing information, please call 1-844-989-7284 or visit abrisbo.com. Brought to you by Pfizer. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny today, the high 63. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 50. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy and mild. The chance of showers by afternoon, the high 69. Saturday, cloudy with occasional rain, maybe a thunderstorm, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! 10-16, Kayla Anderson joins us throughout the uh, season for the Titans report. Of course, she's part of the Ramon Kayla and Will show on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. And um, pardon me, still battling this flu. We wanted to get her on to uh, talk Titans today because uh, Tennessee has its new head coach in place, Brian Callahan, and uh, wanted to discuss his hiring, uh, why Mike Vrabel didn't get a job, Derrick Henry's future, and the Super Bowl with Kayla. Good morning, Kayla. How are you? I'm good. How are you all doing? Doing well. Good to have you on. And, uh, Brian Callahan, I guess um, if you've had a defensive coach or at least a coach who's perceived as a defensive guy and you make a change, you want to go get an offensive coach. And that's what the Titans did with the Bengals offensive coordinator coming in. What do you think of the hire? Uh, he's been on the job for a couple of weeks. What's the reception been like in Nashville? And how do you think he's going to do? Yeah, I mean, the reception's been incredible. And I think the more and more people started to learn about Brian Callahan and what he could really do for an organization in terms of, number one, development of a quarterback, especially in a newer quarterback, as Will Levis will be in just his second season and the first time as a full-time starter, it looks to be. uh, That was the number one thing in terms of, I think, why people were excited. And you're right. I mean, usually when you're not, when you're doing a new hire, and, and in this case, you're really trying to just reboot the whole organization in a way that they look at it um, with a new stadium coming in 2027. And this day and age, it's all about offense. I think that they kind of needed to go with an offensive minded guy. So I think a lot of fans were excited about that. Um, it's just something different, it's something fresh, something. Uh, that they haven't seen in a while, uh, being under Mike Brabel. So I think people love all those things. And then the fact that Brian Callahan, just his resume goes so deep, and the more and more people dug into it and found out 
Oh, and his dad is Bill Callahan, who, by the way, is now joining the team as an offensive line coach. Um, one of the best, if not the best, offensive line coaches uh, in the NFL. I think that also kind of intrigued fans like, okay, this guy has been around football his whole life. He really knows what he's doing. So I think overall it's, it's been a hit in terms of what people have thought. Now, whether or not that works out, that is yet to be seen because it's going to be a brand new staff for the most part. And the personnel is going to be a lot different too. So we have to see what they do in free agency, see what they do in the draft. And it might not be an immediate impact next year because you are so weak at so many positions, but I think they got the higher right overall. You mentioned Bill Callahan, former head coach of the Raiders, as you said, one of the most respected O-line coaches in the league. The Browns had um, him under contract and extended him through following the 2022 season through the 2024 season. So they could have blocked the interview, but they were pretty gracious in, in letting him interview and ultimately accept the job to work with his son. So I thought Cleveland showed some, some class there and, and Stefanski, the head coach just said, Hey man, this is a chance for father and son to work together. We didn't want to get in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was great. Look, and you never know, uh, with the Cleveland Browns organization, like what exactly they might do that's, you know, they don't have the best track record in terms of the Haslam's in certain situations. So I, I thought that this was a class move overall by the Browns organization, you know, from top to bottom. And I think they knew that this is, this is a very rare opportunity that one, you get to coach alongside a father son kind of situation, but this is the first time ever that you are seeing a son hire his father. So the first time seeing a dad under his son in the NFL. And I think they saw how special this opportunity was. It's something that Ryan Callahan has worked so hard for in terms of being a head coach. And it's very rare that your dad is going to be still available and still really good at what he does. Why not be able to share your your years together in the NFL in terms of Bill's maybe final years that he has coaching, um, doing that with his son. And I think that that there's, there's no way if they didn't let him go, I think that would have been a really, really bad look on the Browns. All right, let's get to Will Levis and, and, and Callahan coming in. Uh, clearly the, the Titans now are going forward with Will Levis as the, as the quarterback. Uh, they're going to build around him. What did you see from him in his first year? And what do you think his potential is, not only for long-term, but for this coming season as an NFL quarterback with this new coaching staff? I think he must be super excited. And we haven't had the chance to speak with Will Levis since the hire. Um, but Brian Callahan did say before Will kind of got out of Nashville for a couple of weeks um, that he did run into Will Levis and that he did speak with him. And so the two have met. They have connected. And look, Brian Callahan was the first to say, um, you know, I think Will Levis has a super high ceiling. I like what I saw from him last year in the starts that he did get. Uh, Clearly, there is a lot of work to be done because he still is developing and developing at the highest level now, um, being a starter this next season. And you know, having to really take a big step forward because we all know what other quarterbacks are in the AFC South. And you know what C.J. Stroud just did down there in Houston 
Like, you have got to be a guy who is going to be able to be kind of the face of the franchise. Like, that's the day and age we live in with quarterbacks and them being a lot younger now, um, as we've seen some of the former ones, you know, at that point, at this point retire. So this is the new age quarterback kind of coming in. And I think Brian Callahan said he really loves the passion that Will Levis plays with. Um, he likes kind of that competitive vibe that Will Levis has out on the field. Um, now he'll tailor some of that, I think. And I think that that will be really in favor of Will Levis to kind of keep his emotions in check sometimes. But the best thing that I think is going to happen for Will Levis is Brian Callahan has been known for the quarterbacks that he's worked with in his career. And they've all been different personalities. They've all been different in terms of how they play the game, in terms of, you know, what type of quarterback they are. And the one thing that Callahan has been able to do is really connect and improve every quarterback that he's at least helped mold. And so I think that's really important to note because I think he doesn't just prefer one certain type of quarterback. Like, I feel like he can work with different varieties and really just enhance what's best about them and enhance their game that way. He listens to the quarterback. He'll get feedback. Like, if a quarterback's like, hey, I think I need to do this instead of this, Brian Callahan's not going to shut him down. He's going to listen. And he might not say yes every time, but sometimes he is going to say, like, oh, you know what? You know yourself better. I'm going to let you do that. Um, so I think that will be the best part of the development for Will Levis because I think he has all kind of the tools. I just need, think he needs to really refine some things and then you know, know how to kind of keep those emotions in check as he develops into a real leader on this team. Kayla Anderson with us, Talking Titans. All right, I got a couple more subjects, so I got to move kind of faster to get you uh, out by 1030. Uh, Mike Vrabel, were you surprised he didn't get hired somewhere else? A little bit. Um, a little bit. I still think he's a good coach. I've been on record on this show many times saying that. I just think there's a lot of stuff that kind of got out there after the firing about maybe the control factor. Um, I mean, we had a former player on our show kind of giving some information about when he played here and he, you know, in terms of Mike Brable, maybe didn't get along with every single player if they didn't mold to exactly what he wanted them to be. And so I think that kind of got out there too. And you heard the report from the athletics saying, um, Diana Rossini saying that there was one GM that was just intimidated by his stature. That's like, crazy. There's so much out there, and I think a lot of it will blow over. But I was really surprised that he didn't, you know, get as many callbacks at least. He is going to reportedly be working with his good friend Luke Fickle up at Wisconsin this year. My big thing about that is maybe he's trying to get a feel for if he wants to get back into the college game. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps if Ryan Day doesn't work out at Ohio State, I know people would really love for Rabel to possibly take over that job. Um, or it's just a way for him to get back in football while he waits for this next NFL cycle. I don't think he'll be out for long. And Derrick Henry, um, I mean, there still seems to be no certainty that he's 100% out of Tennessee and Callahan has said, you know, he's a great player. You, you know, every team would benefit from having a Derrick Henry. What, what do you think his future is? Yeah, I, I think that it's still unknown too. Look, I know one thing if he wants to win a Super Bowl, and you know what? He deserves to win a Super Bowl. That man has just 
continued to really amaze us all year after year. It doesn't matter if he's 30. He just he, he doesn't really lose much in terms of a step on the field. Uh, takes care of his body better than anybody I've ever seen in the NFL. Always wants to be better. So he deserves to win a Super Bowl. Now, whether or not he sees that happening in Tennessee in the next couple of years, I don't know. And whether or not the money really factors in on another place that would be like, here, we're going to give you money, come play for us. I think that the door is still open a little because Brian Callahan did say that. Also, you know, you're kind of hearing what Peyton Manning is saying uh, when he was at the, the Pro Bowl down there in Orlando last week. Like, I think Brian Callahan would really like uh, having a Derrick Henry on his roster. Um, I'm sure that Bill Callahan would as well. So I think that door is still a little bit creaked open. It's just going to – we're going to have to see how the market is, Gary, and and see really what Derek is going for when it's all said and done. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And lastly, the Super Bowl on Sunday in Las Vegas. I was talking with Justin earlier. You know, it wasn't that long ago that the thought that you'd ever have pro sports in in Las Vegas was – just, you know, it was taboo because you, it was the gambling capital. But now we have the NFL, we have the NHL, we have the WNBA, MLB's coming. And, of course, now we got the Super Bowl on, on Sunday. So uh, an extravaganza, uh, but the game is the, is the bottom line here. It's the game, and yeah. it's the Chiefs and 49ers. Who do you like? Yeah, I know that the 49ers are favored, and I think a lot of people were like, well, why are they favored? Because we're seeing continuously year after year, like you can't, bet against, uh, you know, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey duo uh, or trio. So I think a lot of people initially were like, okay, Kansas City, uh, hands down. Look, it's the best defense we've ever seen, I think at least recently, uh, from a Kansas City Chiefs team. The defense is dominant. There's no doubt about that. I like the fact that Patrick Mahomes is a gamer, um, and I like the fact that, that – Isaiah uh, Pacheco has been able to really produce in the postseason in terms of the run game. And the 49ers, let's just be honest, they haven't been great, especially in the postseason, in stopping the run. So that's the biggest question mark I have there. Uh, but with saying that, I kind of have a feeling that the 49ers know they got to get it done at some point, right? I think Kyle Shanahan is a phenomenal coach. I think they have too many offensive weapons. I think their defense will be able to step up because God knows they have too many great names on that defense, too, to not give it their all in this game when they know they don't have many opportunities or any team, rather, to be in this moment to win a Super Bowl. So I think, I think I'm rolling with the 49ers on this one. I know everybody says don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I just think overall the Niners have the better team. Sounds good. Great stuff. Thank you, Kayla. Thanks, Gary. Y'all have a great weekend. You too. 1029. <coughs> I'm still battling a little bit of a cough. I should, you know, what's bad about it? I didn't take my cough syrup this morning and I didn't bring any cough drops in. That's a double whammy when you're doing, I, I, I guess I got in the habit the last three days of doing the show from home where I had it all right there and then I didn't bring any in. Uh, YMCA at Tuscaloosa, get down to 2300 13th Street and check it out. If you want to get in shape, Man, they've got everything that you need right there in the facility. It's a great facility, great staff, personal training, fitness classes. Jeff Knox, the CEO, and everybody 
you know, involved and associated with the YMCA, uh, they do it right, man. Or text DEAL to 511-511. Text DEAL to 511-511. All pets are unique. Your pet's results can and will vary. Message and data rates may apply. Studies available upon request. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Civil authorities have issued a child abduction emergency for all of Alabama beginning at 10.32 a.m. and ending at 10.47 a.m. The state of Alabama has issued a child abduction emergency, Amber Alert. The Decatur Police Department and the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency ask for your assistance in locating Prince Bird, black male, one year of age. Prince Bird was last seen on February 8th. 2024, at approximately 4.30 am wearing a light blue and easy and a dark brown jacket in the area of Decatur Morgan Hospital and is believed to be in extreme danger. The abductor, Christopher Lynn Bird, is a 33-year-old black male. The subjects may be traveling in a white Jeep branded with Massachusetts tab number 4AM14. If you have any information regarding this missing child, please contact the Decatur Police Department at 256-314-4660 or call 911. They really did. And, uh, you know, I think it was a situation where, you know, Alabama was... Um, was just, you know, outmanned, outsized, outplayed uh, in the middle. You know, you looked at the matchup and, you know, you look at Alabama's guards and, you know, I think they can play with anybody, you know, but, but, but inside, I mean, you know, they're, they're kind of thin, you know, and, and I think the, uh, the, the four and the five guys, you know, for Auburn are, are pretty good. Jalen Williams and Janiah Broom are, are great, great players and, uh, and great, great players in big games and big situations. You know, they usually step up, and in this case, with that crowd behind them and the way those two guys played, I mean, you know, they just lifted they lifted their team to another level. Those two guys combined for 50 points, and, uh, and Broom was just unstoppable in the paint. I mean, he was just – he was having a good time down there, man, just showcasing those moves and even knocked out a three-pointer. And, and uh, I think it was a case where, you know, Auburn just had uh, – you know, too much in the middle, too much in the paint. And uh, and plus, Alabama couldn't take care of the basketball. They turned it over 15 times, and I don't care who you're playing. It's hard to win, you know, when you're doing that. And also, Auburn only turned it over five times. So if you're taking care of the basketball and you're turning the other team over, that's a good combination, too. And you add in, you shoot 50 free throws. That doesn't hurt either. And make 40. <laughs> I mean, just, just, yeah. just saying. 85 free yeah, throws in the sure. game. I'm still trying to figure that out. I understand, um, you know, it's a physical game and all that, but whew, it's a two-and-a-half-hour game. With But anyway, yeah, Auburn was better last night. There's no doubt about it. I think if you're Alabama, um, you know, you feel good about getting a split based on the fact, again, and, and this is not an excuse. It's just a fact. I mean, if you'd have looked at what Alabama lost from last year's team and tried to 
project where this team would be this year, I would have said, and I said this, you know, middle of the pack SEC t- type team trying to, you know, scrape up uh, into the, you know, earn a spot in the NCAA tournament. Here they are tied for the, you know, 10 games in, they're tied for the lead in the SEC. So I'm still being projected as a possible top four seed with a roster that's been completely overhauled. I mean, you look at that game last night for Alabama. You only had three players that didn't even play at Auburn last year. Sears, Griffin, and Pringle. And really, Sears and Griffin are the only two contributors. This is basically a brand-new basketball team. Uh, I think, you know, and Auburn's a veteran team, man. I mean, they brought back a lot of people, including Broom, who could have gone into the draft. So I, I think for Alabama to be where they're at right now, I know a lot of people are disappointed today and complaining about losing to Auburn, but uh, Alabama's in pretty good shape based on where I would have projected them after the way this roster had to be overhauled. Well, look, you take every game for what it is, and then you move on. I mean, it's a long season, and, and you can't. And just like they couldn't let the Tennessee loss, you know, affect them in the next game, they can't let this loss affect them in the next game. You know, you take notes, and then you move forward, and then you just uh, you play the rest of the season because there are a lot of big games left to go. And you're right. I think Nate has done a, an incredible coaching job with this team. And, and, you know, Doug mentioned this on the zone Sunday night is that, you know, sometimes people lose sight of the fact that, you know, not only did he have to rebuild a roster, he had to rebuild a coaching staff. Yeah. He had to rebuild an entire coaching staff. Now, just, you know, think about that for a second. You know, that you're, uh, you know, that, that that's quite an undertaking. And uh, so, I mean, I, I think this, this guy's done an amazing job with this team. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, it's just... Uh... It's just phenomenal that they're where they're at. But the issues that this team had in November, December, January, they've got them in February, they're going to have them in March, is like you said, um, Williams and Broom combining for 50 points and 13 rebounds. When Alabama, of course, most teams struggle against these type teams, but this is where Alabama's vulnerable. Like you said, they're not going to reinvent their roster now. They've got who they've got. When they play these big physical teams, it's a tough matchup for the Tide, and that's not going to change. So when you get in the NCAA tournament, I guess you just hope you catch a good draw because the teams they've struggled against, um, it's going to be hard for them to – I mean, listen, Wagi gives you some physicality, Jeff, but the guy fouls when he's checking in. I mean, you know, his fouls <laughs> permitted is the, the highest in the country. Pringle's been in and out of the doghouse. He's he's inconsistent. And then Grant Nelson, they're starting him at five, and he's a gifted player, but he's not a he's not really a five. You know, they just don't have, like you said, they just don't have those big bodies to counter these real physical teams. And that's not going to change. No, it isn't. And Nelson fouled out with what six and a half minutes yeah. to go. You know, so uh, and and, and they, listen, there were there were a lot of fouls called and. And, uh, and Auburn played in physical, and, and, and if you're playing Alabama, I mean, you you got to guard those guys, and, and you got to you got to run them off the three point line. You got to get up in their grill. You got to um, you know you just have to challenge them, and, and that's something I think Auburn did a better job of, you know, than they did you know a month ago, you know, when they played Alabama at Coleman Coliseum. So, you know, credit to Bruce Pearl for you know making some adjustments and you know taking the fight. You know, to Alabama more so than they did a month ago, and and uh, look, I think both of these teams, you know, could could make a deep run. But but I think if you're if you're looking at Auburn, um, and you're looking at Alabama, I, I think Alabama's got you know a, a few more questions to answer, you know, to make that deep run more so than Auburn does. And, and it's you know it's what you said. It's about you know uh, that the the weakness in the middle and the 
you know, the, they're thin in the middle. They're they're just uh, they don't have enough girth in there, and and I think that's I think that's important. You have to have good guard play when you get to the tournament, but but you have to have a good all around team too. You have to have you know the strength in the middle and the rebounding and and uh, the, the physicality and and uh, I'm not sure they're there. They're not there yet. Jeff, uh, your great sports photographer Chris McCulley put out a little clip on. X last night following the game of the Auburn players doing the 007 pose that uh, Isaiah Bond had after his uh, fourth and 31 <laughs> gravedigger catch. And then a couple right. years ago, they all struck the crane pose that you know right. John yeah. Mechie had done. Is that what Auburn basketball does now? When they beat Alabama, they just steal whatever <laughs> Alabama football. I mean, what about some creativity here, man? <laughs> Oh, you know, it's just, it's, it's part of the robbery, man. I mean, that's what makes the robbery special, right? Well, I guess the I mean, message you know, I would give them is Auburn needs to win a football <laughs> game so they can put still at Alabama's. Exactly. Uh, but I love the back and forth. I mean, leading into the game, you know, Bruce talking about Pringle coming back and he goes, yeah, you know, he was suspended for two games, but now he's back for our game. Imagine that, you know, throwing that in there. And, and then, and then every time, Every time Nate talks about Neville Arena, he always seems to get himself in trouble. You know, they they kind of, and they always overblow this. You know, he 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 referred to it. You know, very similar to, you know, when he was at Romulus and the high school gyms would have two thousand people packed in them, and then all of a sudden, you know, Nate's comparing Neville Arena to a high school gym. Well, that's not exactly what he said. Not, not at all what he no. said. But that's okay. no, no. But I mean, it's just it's very entertaining. I mean, and, and look. That, that tells you about how big basketball has become in this state. Because even though the Alabama-Auburn game, way back in the day, I mean, did have some meaning, and, and, it, and, it, and it did have some, some sizzle, nothing compared to what it has now. You know, I mean, you, I, mean, you could, you, I mean, you could go back to the 80s when they were making, you know, where they were both making trips to the NCAA tournament and all that. But, Gary, you would agree, not in a long time, as the Alabama-Auburn basketball rivalry had the sizzle that it's got now. Yeah, it's cooking. There's no, there's no doubt about it because both teams are, are good. And and as I said last night, it was a big game for Auburn. I mean, they had, uh, they needed it. And Pearl was, uh, you know, three and six against Oates, and and um, they did what good teams do at home. They they won the game. So it will be interesting to see how this this plays out. Now, I still think Jeff and. I'm curious if you agree. I, I still think, for, for me, I think Tennessee is the most complete team in this league. And I think, ultimately, they're going to win this SEC regular season championship. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I would say look out for South Carolina. I mean, a chain games in, I mean, you are who you are. I mean, you're not a fluke, and South Carolina's not a fluke. I mean, you know, they're 8-2 and two in league play for a reason. And, and they and they've beaten Tennessee, and um, and you know and they and they played Alabama, you know, tough for a while. They you know they've got to play Auburn. They got to come to Auburn. They got to come through Auburn. So you know, let's um, I you know before I make a call on this, I'm going to kind of look and see how that game goes. And uh, but but South Carolina has shown you know right now. Look, they're ranked 15th in the country, and uh, and they're a legit top 20 team. And and uh, you know they've they just done a great job there, so um, I think it's anybody's it's anybody's game right now. But but look, I, I'd go with your Tennessee pick. I wouldn't be afraid to pick the balls. I just mean, the way that they spin, yeah. 
I'm sorry, I cut you off. Wouldn't mean it to, Jeff. No, that's okay. The way they defend and, and what they did at Rupp Arena was very impressive. Let's talk a little football. Uh, National Signing Day kind of came and went quietly, as is the case now, with most of it being done in December. But it was still a productive day for Alabama yesterday, picking up three players, of course, headlined by Ryan Williams, but also QB Reese there, the great linebacker out of Ramsey High School, and then Noah Carter, the edge rusher out of Peoria, Arizona. So uh, for Coach DeBoer, it was a productive day um, to get those three guys, particularly Ryan Williams, on the dotted line. Good day for Alabama on Wednesday. Well, that was big. I mean, you know, they got the number two and the number three players in the country. You know, uh, they got in Bachway back in December. Of course, you know that was that was under Saban's watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but they, but, but they, look, they, but this is Ryan Williams is DeBoer's get. You know, because Williams decommitted. You know, when Saban when Saban retired, and um, and it was and it was up to DeBoer to kind of get him back in the fold. So that was a big, big, big win for him. And uh, yeah, getting the three guys they got yesterday, uh, QB Reese, you know, is a guy that um, it, you know is a local kid who, who uh, you know, is uh, you know, he's not a four, he's not a five, he's a three. He's a really, really good linebacker, and uh, and could turn into a five star guy before his career's over at Alabama. So yeah, I mean, they, they got three really good guys that just rounded out the number two ranked recruiting class in the nation. Nick Saban, um, retirement's different for different people. And clearly, I think we all knew that Nick Saban was going to retire as a football coach, but he wasn't going to retire from working. In addition to keeping an office inside Bryant-Denny Stadium, he uh, is already announced now as a new game day analyst for ESPN, also going to do some different uh, uh, the NFL draft, SEC Media Days, some other things across their different platforms. I guess this is... Uh, you know who Nick Saban is. Yeah, I may be retiring as a football coach, but I'm not slowing down at all. And uh, what do you think about this announcement, even though we expected it? And how do you think he'll do? Well, I love it because, you know, if there's if there's one thing that he loves as much as coaching football, it's talking football. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we've seen, we've seen that he's really, really good at it. And another thing, too, I think, you know, people have asked me, and I don't know how many times you get this question, well, is it really a good idea for him to have an office at Bryant-Denny Stadium? He's kind of looking over Coach DeBoer's shoulder. And I said, look, guys, on Saturdays, he's not going to be there. You know, he, he's going to be on the college game day set. And, that, and I, oh, look, we, we, we both saw that coming like eight miles away, right? And so th- this guy's going to be busy. Yeah, I mean, very. ESPN is going to have him busy. And so I never thought he would be the guy who would be poking his head in Kalen DeBoer's office every day and, you know, giving him pointers and all that stuff. He'd be there for his sounding board if DeBoer needed it. But, um, listen, he loves talking ball, and I think this is going to be a really fun, fun gig for him, and I can't wait to see how he does. Yeah, I, I think you'll be outstanding. Yeah, it's like I said earlier, kind of to your point, it's not like they just show up on Friday afternoon and, and get up Saturday morning and do game day. That's a that's a <laughs> show that's worked on all week. And Nick Saban's going to be very busy during during football season. All right, Super Bowl, Jeff. Um, you know, for guys like us in our business, we follow it because, you know, that's what we do, uh, but it is the Super Bowl. But I, I, the way I watch pro football now, I watch it more through, you know, how many Alabama guys does this team have? How many? Al- and suddenly we got a Super Bowl with 
Cam Latou, the only 49er, and he's on the injured list. And then Isaiah Bugs, who the Chiefs signed late after he was released by Detroit, not sure he's going to play in the game. So even though it's two great teams and it's an epic Super Bowl in Las Vegas, I have less interest than I would have had if it had been, say, the Detroit Lions and uh, the Dolphins, let's say, who have a lot of Bama players. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not as hyped about yeah. the Super Bowl as I probably should be. What about you? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's not as much buzz, you know, on my end. I mean, I'm very interested to see if, you know, Mahomes can kind of, uh, you know, further cement, you know, his legacy. You know, there were times this year where we thought, you know, man, the man, the run's over. You know, Mahomes had that meltdown earlier in the season, and, and, and we're all thinking, gosh, you know, they're they're kind of falling apart. But you know, here they are in the Super Bowl. Here he has another chance to to get yet another Super Bowl ring, you know him and him and Kelsey, and uh, so I mean that that's an interesting part of it to me. The the Forty ers defense, uh, I just I love that I love that defense. I just love it. So that's kind of why I give the Forty ers the edge in this one. I think they've uh, obviously Casey's got the better quarterback, but I think the Forty ers have the better defense, and um, and that might be the difference when the game uh, when it's all said and done. Are y'all going to have a Super Bowl version of The Zone on Sunday night? Absolutely. We'll be live. Uh, we usually tape the show. I don't know how many people know that, but we usually tape the show. But uh, it'll be live at uh, 1035 Sunday on uh, ABC 3340. And, you know, appreciate the fact that we have a lot of uh, loyal viewers and you always are so good to help us plug that. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Gary. All right, Jeff Spiegel, and we are going to get to our final break. Quick mention, T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, University Mall, two stores in one. Terrific menswear plus one-of-a-kind Alabama football memorabilia collection. Teen Hargrove Road East in Tuscaloosa. Make her smile on Valentine's Day with one call to Stephanie's Flowers. 345-3074. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure for you. Call 800-8000 or visit meswins.com. I've got this. No representations made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms at the bar and outside on the beautiful patio come by and say hello to kim and lisa the billy's management dream team billy's good food good friends and good time tide 100.9 tuscaloosa weather partly to mostly sunny today the high 63 tonight increasingly cloudy with a low at 50 tomorrow mostly cloudy and mild the chance of showers by afternoon the high 69 saturday cloudy with occasional rain maybe a thunderstorm the high 65 i'm james Spann on the abc 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 it's 51 degrees in tuscaloosa Alabama fans are all over the world, and we are too. Download the Tide 100.9 app right now in the App Store and Google Play, and take the Crimson Tide everywhere you go. All right, 1052, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show, and let's jump out on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Robert. Good morning, Robert. 
Good morning. Hey, hey guys, what's up? How you doing? Doing well, doing well, man. Hey, uh, real quick, I was. I, I love to ask the two, co- you know, the two basketball uh, wimp and his son before. Uh, why, like last night during the game, when we're you're trying to give your team the best chance to win, you got Auburn's got bigs that are uh, older, mm-hmm. they're more mature, mm-hmm. they're better, and they're more seasoned. Mm-hmm. Why don't we play a, free, a freaking zone a little bit? Just, just to get, make them shoot from out. They don't shoot great from outside. Well, that's come up a, a lot, Robert. Well, I, and, I haven't listened to your show all morning. Well, it was discussed on Wimp and Barry. I've talked about it. And, again, I, I'm not a coach, so I, I hate step overstepping my boundaries here. But all I can tell you is, is what I've told a couple of other people that have asked about it. You know, if we're thinking about it, then obviously it's something, you know, Nate Oates is, is what you said. He's trying to give his team the best chance to win. I, you know, all I can tell you is they don't play zone. Don't play That's just not what they do. And uh, whether we like it or we don't like it um, or not, so, I, you know, maybe maybe it is something they should look at. But it's not what Alabama does defensively. So, that, yeah, I, I hear And I'm, I'm going to call a show Monday night and ask him. Okay, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to set my alarm. I've heard his answer before. He's worried about boxing out. Hey, it can't be any worse, dude. We got killed on the boards. Yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I'm not. I'm just saying that I, you know, I don't know. I mean, they've tweaked this team a lot. He's even said, you know, they've even tweaked coaches' responsibilities. So it is a work in progress. I, I'm amazed, as I said also earlier, Robert, that with the what they lost from last year, for them to be sitting here 10 games in, tied for first in the SEC is an amazing accomplishment. So I think this team has done totally really, really well. But, You're going to run into somebody the first weekend, the second weekend of the tournament that's got two two legitimate big guys that play hard, and they're going to, they're going to force you off the three point line. Also, Walters, the guy from uh, North Dakota, whatever Estrada, and the freshman, they're soft. They, they, when they start going downhill, they get bumped off their spots. They, mm-hmm. Those four guys have just got they're just not you know the way Sears is a dog. Those guys are not, um, and they just got to grow up. They got to grow up a lot the next four to six weeks for us to be able to, you know, do anything in the tournament. Well, opinion. Saturday's uh, a, a big one, but, you know, they're not going to, as I've said, no. too, they're not going to they're not gonna reinvent their roster at this point. They've got who they've got. No. You're right. they got to try to play the best they can. But, listen, it, it's just this is a weird time in college basketball. You know, you've got teams like Alabama who recruit high at a high level, and they lose guys that are 19 years old in the NBA draft. And then you got teams like Auburn. Give them credit. You know, Jalen Williams isn't just a, you know, he is a graduate student. He is another one of these guys that played four years at Auburn. Four years. And then took another, got to play another year because he came in during the COVID year. So, you know, he's 23 years old. And you've got, you've got uh, uh, Broom. You know, he transferred in from Warhead State. He's played college basketball for five years. So it's, it's one of those things where not only sometimes do you run into teams that have big physical guys, but you're right. You run into teams that have big physical guys that are old. That happened against San Diego State last year. And Alabama's recruiting at a high level, but a lot of their best players are young guys. Now, in this case, uh, they've recruited some guards that are fifth and six-year type players, but that's not going to help you inside against these 260-pound monsters. I, I agree with you. It's a challenge. Every time they play one of these type teams, we saw it in the pre-conference. We saw it against Tennessee. We saw it against Auburn. They're going to have a hard time matching up against these kind of teams. They just are. And then, as a coach, you got to give your chance, your kids a ch- best chance to win. So I, I'm going to call him Monday night. I hope he has a better answer than what I've heard in the past. I'm just, I'm just. There's, there's more to it than that. I just love to hear it. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right, thank you, Robert. Weekend. Good to hear from you. And again, the whole zone deal. <clears throat> I, you know, again, I don't know. You can say, well, 
we're going to play zone, but you're still playing zone with the same guys that you're playing man-to-man and matchup with. I, I, I just don't know, you know, how much difference changing the defensive philosophy is going to make. But a lot of people are thinking that needs to be something they'll look at. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Thanks to Patterson Comer for bringing you this second hour. T-Town Sports Daily is coming up at 11 a.m., followed by the Miller's Edge at noon until 2, and then Fowler will take you home with the game from 2 until 6. I'll be back tomorrow morning with the TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you again in the morning. to 